Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beyond the Dog with Lynn Boki. This is episode four. This episode, we're going to focus on resource guarding, specifically um, the post that I put up on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't had a chance to check that out, you can go to at Lynn Boki on Instagram, at Lynn Boki on Facebook, or the other page is at School of Dog Psychology on Facebook. I hope you stick around for that coming up. But before we get started, I'm going to bring you up to speed on what's been going on with me, how I've been, and maybe do a little bitching and moaning. So I just got back from Minnesota where I did a five-day shadow program with a rescue called Forever Home Rescue. I love that they, they took that. I used to say that. I think everybody said Forever Home. I need a dog. I need this dog to find a forever home. And they uh, They went ahead and trademarked that and and it's theirs. I love that. I got to make uh, some snow angels while I was there. I don't think I, I've even seen snow in like 20 years. And first day I got there, it was like 10 degrees. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you know me, I only wear shorts. So I actually bought some pants to take with me. And even that wasn't enough. My jacket was more like a thick shirt. They had to give me these uh, uh, bibs uh, for duck hunting. And uh, I wore those. They gave me some big-ass boots so that my feet wouldn't freeze off. And uh, I just really enjoyed my time there. And the people were really, really great. And they had a lot of uh, wonderful dogs that were up for adoption. They just needed some help. And what's great about this rescue is that they, you know, they could easily, and they have, I guess, they use their resources for uh, trainers to help them with the dogs that they had because they really pick uh, or they 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 pull dogs um, that are really more difficult that the other rescues wouldn't re- wouldn't uh, take on and so I really commend them for that and uh, they would they would have trainers working with these dogs and you know they would get as far as they could and and uh, it just wasn't working out for them so they decided to uh, learn dog psychology instead of uh, spending their money on other trainers. And and so I've been out there. I uh, went out there for five days, and, and I think they are, are looking forward to me coming back again. And I, I just love that, that they're looking to educate themselves. This is amazing. Um, but uh, while I was out there, you know, I've been away for a while for the uh, from my podcast. Uh, I've only done two episodes, and then uh, every time I get a piece of new equipment, I got these nice microphones like Joe Rogan has, so I can be really cool. And uh, every time I get a new piece of equipment, there's some new app. And of course, every app is connected to another app. And every fucking app needs their own passcode. So I get uh, constantly forgetting the passcodes. And so I have to email myself or ask for the new passcode, set up a new one. It's just a... I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to technology, but I, I am learning and it's, uh, it's frustrating. But while I was out there, I actually did my first, uh, I guess, interview podcast. I don't really want to call them interviews. It's more conversations. They were guests on, uh, the podcast and, you know, it was a little rocky at first for me. I don't think it was really rocky for them, but then we really got into a good groove and, and we're kind of having fun. And uh, we ended the podcast, and then I went to the computer. Hmm. Oh, man. And uh, couldn't figure out how to, I guess, export it to my desktop so I could save it for later. 
and uh, <laughs> my worst nightmare, it, it deleted. I don't know what I did, how I did it, but I did it. I got back to uh, uh, Arizona and uh, started, I actually turned the computer off all the way, turned it back on, and oh, there's the file. It was there. I could see the recording, but the the uh, program wouldn't let me listen to it. So it would play it, but there was no sound. So then I had to figure out how to do that. So it was asking me to do all these. Like I'd tell you what they are if I knew what they were. That's why it's so vague on what I'm saying. But I it wouldn't let me do the thing. So I upgraded my uh, program, and that still didn't work. And they said uh, to, if I wanted to talk to them, I had to have this, I don't know, some sort of ID. Uh, what's it called? Let me just look at it. Uh, my system ID. And everywhere they looked and where they told me to look, it wasn't there. It, it, you could see all the things that they said it would be next to, but the system ID was not there. Oh, man. I, I, I swear to you, I, I almost threw this computer out the window I almost just wanted to give up altogether, but you know, you just can't quit. You got to keep pressing on. So I, I finally got a hold of some people, still didn't find my system ID, and I had to just push zero or operator, operator, operator into some sales department until I got, got to talk to somebody. What is the deal with these things where you don't get to talk to anybody anymore? Even on online, you just, uh, or on the internet, I'm like, I need support. I need to talk to somebody. What's the phone number? And it always sends you to sales, sales, sales. No number to talk to anybody anymore. I am a dinosaur, I think, with the computers. And uh, I finally got a hold of this guy, and he, I don't think he was meant to do the, the that part. And he, he kind of stuttered around, and finally he just set up a, a thing so that I could talk to somebody without the, the ID and uh, so now I've got to wait for them to contact me by the phone. If, my, if I could have my computer next to me, that would be fan uh, fantastic. But I'm not going to be having my computer next to me. So when they call, and generally I don't ever answer my phone because I'm, I'm always working with a dog that might want to chew my face off or dealing with a client that needs my attention at that moment. And if I don't recognize the number, I just don't, uh, I don't pick up. And my email, they want to send me an email to let me know. So I, I've got to constantly be looking to see if they sent the email because I can't figure out how to put the sound on to say, hey, bingo, you got an email. I, <laughs> I'm learning. I swear to you. I swear to God I'm learning. It's just uh, snail's pace. I don't get it. So anyway, I'm holding my breath that they're going to um, be able to recover that file because it would be really disappointing if, if I um, didn't have that to put up. The, those girls out there are really great and they deserve uh, some airtime. And if not, you know, they'll they'll do another. I'm going to be out there in July, so we'll do another episode while I'm there. It's just, uh, it's just disappointing. So I can understand people who have a difficult time with dogs they they don't understand dog psychology they don't understand whatever techniques are needed how intense or how sensitive they need to be timing i get i get it now because i have the same problem when it comes to uh, technology i am an idiot and i say that with a big smile because i am not an idiot and i don't want to just leave that negative uh 
thing in my head so that I can't get past it, I, I, I will figure this out. It will happen. But it was and is still my nightmare. So let me see what else is going on. I, I got to see my dogs after, after, I don't know, I think I was gone for 10 days. I miss my dogs. I am doing my best to figure out some way that I could just take them with me. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. I maybe get a school bus and trick it out, you know, and, and live large inside a bus with my dogs. Maybe I don't want to have it full of stuff that I can't move around in there. So I'll gut it and put an outdoor shower on it or something. Use some solar panels to run everything inside it. That'd be, be kind of fun to, to drive around with the mutts. I hope everybody's doing well and and you're part of the world. I, I'm starting to feel much better, um, a better outlook on life. I, I recently turned 50, and I said I was going to stop doing a lot of the things that I was doing and add things that I should be doing, like this super, super O um, pressed drink uh, vegetable, the juice kitchen out here in, in Arizona. I don't, I don't understand it either. So, but I am starting to feel better having some vegetables in my my body. I I stop drinking. Uh, I'll have a beer with dinner or something, but I won't be buying six packs every day anymore. And uh, I started running and and doing some other things to to benefit myself. And uh, I'm feel, feeling good. I, I hope everybody else is doing well too and finding something that's good for them for them for you i hope you're finding something that uh that makes you feel good uh your your mind needs to be taken care of you know your body needs to be taken care of both physically and nutritionally so if you're if you're not doing that right now for yourself i highly recommend you you checking that out and 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 upgrading you know time uh, is precious so take care of your time Anywho, I suppose we should get get into it, all right? So, oh, crap, where's my phone? I wanted to talk about the, the post. Let me get a little bit more of my vegetable juice. Mm. Mm. So, like I said, I just got back from Minnesota, Zimmerman, Minnesota, where I was working with Forever Home Rescue, and uh, Tanya Richter and... Emily Hansen run that rescue, and they are just wonderful little ladies. And you can check them out at uh, foreverhomerescue.com. That's F-U-R-E-V-E-R, homerescue.com. And if you can donate anything to them, that's phenomenal. They, they don't just have dogs. They have cats, and uh, I had a great time with the cats, too. Uh, but, uh, so I want to talk about one of the dogs specifically and, uh, her name was Petunia. Let me, let me just pull up that, uh, that post and, uh, let's go see technology. So I just really want to go through it. Uh, let's turn that off. I just want to go through it and and touch uh, and get just to have a little closer look at uh, resource guarding. Now, resource guarding uh, 
can and can be a, a food or a toy or uh, a, a dead animal or even an owner, a spot in the house. My very first dog was a Keyshawn. And if you know what a Keyshawn is, they, they've got really long fur. They're wonderful dogs. They're, I think they're Dutch. They uh, worked on the barges, so they had re- they had really great balance. But, uh, you know, I lived in California with her, and it, it would get kind of warm. And she really loved to lay next to the toilet. The porcelain was really cool. And she'd fight for that. Let me tell you, she'd fight for that spot. So if uh, the dog, any dog ever uh, is possessing you is really what what it would be if when it's talking about you as a human and the dog is becoming possessive and aggressive it is a resource you are a resource but you're no different than that toilet right or a bone that's filled with ants so we'll get into a possession uh down the line but i want to talk about resource guarding the way i i'm describing it here and uh when you work with these dogs in a rescue things can be traumatic uh before they get there and and uh you know this particular dog is the sweetest sweetest little cookie in the jar it's a little pit bull perfect size you know loving uh tender adorable just has this one little problem and she resources resource guards and you know when somebody is looking for a dog to adopt and and they come across that and, and just the mention of, oh, by the way, she gets a, a little reactive when she finds something that's special to her. And sometimes these things that she finds are special are, is, a, you know, a marrow bone that had peanut butter in it. You know, it's a fake marrow bone. Um, in this particular uh, um, uh, post that I, I did the videos with have I started talking yet what is up with that it was a rawhide Uh, they initially contacted me and sent me a video of of her resource guarding a dead mouse which uh, is more towards uh, an actual resource guard you know you think about wolves uh, bears uh, lions Hyenas don't really have much left to, to resource guard, but once they have it, uh, they'll they'll guard it. I was hiking in um, uh, Alaska one time. I did a seminar up there in, I think, 2006, and we went for a hike, and there was a dead uh, moose, and they had us slip away kind of quickly and quietly because it's a carcass, and uh, and the bear will, will guard that because they're not done with it, you know? But when you have a, a rescue dog that is resource guarding, no one is screaming, me, me. No one's waving their hands. I'll take that one. I'll take that one because everybody's got it in their mind. I'm going to adopt a dog and we're going to go to cafes together. We're going to go to the beach together. And you're going to love every dog that I ever meet. And I'm going to meet all kinds of people with you. And that that is a wonderful thing. And it happens the majority of the time. But there are dogs that just... Uh, you know, you can't do that with. So you get a dog like this and no one is is asking to start there. You know, I'm going to limit my life. I want to limit my life and I'll take that dog. But everything else about this dog is sweet as pie. So 
it becomes hard. I believe she's been at that rescue for three years, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's really hard to find a home for, for a dog like that. Uh, management comes into play. And, um, and when you're a rescue and, and you don't know what to do and you, you hire dog trainer after dog trainer after dog trainer and um, it, it doesn't solve the problem, uh, things get worse and uh, worse and worse and worse. And then the dog is there further and further, longer and longer. Well, the reason that I'm talking about this on this episode, uh, the resource guarding, is because this post that I, I did uh, seems to be getting a lot of traction. And somebody uh, sent me a, a, a question. And it was a, an amazing question. And I'm going to find that for you right now and, and, uh, and read that. Where is she? I think she's from Romania, and let's see if that was it right there. Yes, from Romania. Um, I don't think she says her name. I think it's Julia. Uh, Julia said to me, um, well, let me tell you why she said it. I talked about not repeating the things that, that I do in the video because it's dangerous. I, I talk about the skill required to do things uh, the proper way, the dog psychology way. Uh, I'm not, I don't do things that are, that are obedience and I, I do it with a primal way first and, and, and get in there and talk to the dog on its level and work our way back out and then we find peace. But uh, it can be very dangerous and if you don't understand timing, uh, range you know the distance if you don't understand intention if you don't have a, a good eye for body language uh, you got to really understand energy it's always first you know and intensities sensitivities i got a lot of years of experience uh, with that i put myself at a lot of risk and so the last thing i want to do is you know, say, hey guys, well, here's a little uh, 60 seconds of me doing something. Go ahead and do that with your dog that's aggressive. Because one of the, the problems I have with, with uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram is people giving away techniques that, don't, that are incomplete. That uh, there's no transparency as far as why things are done the way they are and what you need to do after. And they just, a lot of people just make you think that, boom, I waved a wand and it's done. And I just, I disagree with a lot of that um, because people look at it and then they try to duplicate it. So let's say that uh, one trainer who may be very good, even great, puts up a video, but it's incomplete and because they're talking about a specific dog with a specific owner at a specific time in the training and boom, play. That's where we come in. And so let's say they got 30,000 views, right? That's 30,000 people uh, trying to duplicate something that somebody did. And that's the telephone game and it won't come out the same and people could get hurt. So I have not put out footage for a lot of years for this reason. I've uh, been told over and over, then you gotta, you gotta get some footage out there. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. Well, I hate the whole social media thing in the first place. So why do I need to do that? 
Well, I tell you why. Because that's where everybody's getting their information. So I have to do something I don't like so that I can help some people. But I'm not going to do it unless I can say out loud, don't do this. You're not qualified. So this girl from Romania, I think her name is Julie, Julia. She says, hey, Lynn, got one question about the case. she got pretty good English uh, writing skills from Romania, better Better English than I I have, let me tell you. I got one question about the case you've just posted. Everybody always says to not do this at home or that they can do it because they have a lot of experience with cases like this. But as a starting dog behaviorist, one and a half years of experience and nine years of study, I ask myself, how did you start off in gaining that experience? Because you were once like me, so you had to start somewhere in order to gather that experience, right? So if you never try to handle such case, how do you get, how do you get it? And I thought that was just an amazing question, and uh, I don't need to read what I wrote. I'll just tell you that, of course, if you're going to do this for a living, if you're going to do it right for a living, if you're going to be good at anything you, you do, you've got to get your hands dirty. You got to get in there and you got to, you got to work around. You got to practice. And I, I told her that you, you do have to, but the majority of my followers, 11, 000, Hey guys, Hey, I have over 11,000 followers. And the majority of those people are dog lovers, not uh, dog trainers or behaviors. And a lot of my experience came from getting torn up by dogs. I would put myself at great risk to learn. I wanted to catch up to Caesar, my mentor, so badly. I just wanted to get there. I wanted to know it all. So I, I, I put myself at danger, in danger. I, I didn't put others in danger. I would put myself in danger, look for every clue, every cue, sorry, every twitch, every tail raise ears uh off to the every single thing i could i i i studied it up close and i would put my arms too close and i would get bitten so i would learn okay that's too close okay that's not far enough uh, every dog's different every dog's perception is different every every time of the day is different i maybe i didn't eat that day and i was hangry and so i i got too close and man i'd pay the price but I don't want anybody else to do that. You know, I, I was stupid. Um, but at the same time, I can see why somebody, well, you did it. Why can't I? Well, I don't know you. I don't know your abilities. I don't know that you had the same uh, practices I've had with martial arts and, you know, even growing up being uh, beaten as much as I had. I, I got pretty good... Uh, skills of dodging and weaving you know I've, my uh my threat perception's pretty pretty sharp you know and my peripheral vision oh man i could see something coming a mile away and that was that was all before 11 years old i don't know that any any most of the people have that kind of ability and that was the marine corps you know we had a lot I put myself at risk there too lots of times you know there's a certain level of of fear you have to detach from to do things that are dangerous and I gotta tell you it was one of the greatest things ever you know I I was a thrill seeker and I I loved the risk I'm an all-in kind of guy I'm a gambler you know and 
I risked a lot of things. I got lucky a lot of times, but I got torn up a lot. And when you watch those videos, you see no flinching now. And this girl, Julia, inspired me to talk about this post with that question. How, how do we get that experience if we're not allowed to try it? Well, I'm, I'm not going to give everybody permission to put themselves at risk. I told her if, if you're going to do this, you really want somebody good, at a minimum good, who can guide you through the the obstacles so you minimize the physical damage that that you can take one one good bite uh you know i remember getting bit one time and i i couldn't even start my car i have to use the other hand you know and i would still be out there one hand uh not in use and still going out there with the dogs that i was working with the worst of the worst you know uh this was when dog whisperer first came out and there wasn't anybody doing the dog psychology. Every every call from that went into the dog psychology center went to me, you know. And uh, uh, I, I got I got a real college education uh, because Caesar had like a year waiting list. And um, they, when they told him that he couldn't do uh, consultations or rehabilitations anymore, he had to dedicate his time all to the dog whisperer. That all went to me, and I, that that was just. I can never thank him enough for that. Anyway, so you got to get your hands dirty if you're a trainer and you want to do this. If you're a dog owner, don't 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 mess around. Don't put yourself at risk. Don't put the dog at risk. Don't put other dogs at risk. Don't put other people at risk. You got to hire somebody who knows what they're doing. And I can't tell you uh, who everybody is. I know that I've worked with with clients that have gone through six dog trainers. That's why one of my programs is, is set up for, for dog owners. You know, it's five days with me, and I'll get you further down the line than most people will get you in a, a three-week board and train because I'm working with you uh, every day, minimum eight hours every day, you and your dog, five days. At the end of it, the jar is loosened. And so that's what I've done with this uh, rescue as well. Spent five days uh, on Fortunately and unfortunately, um, they just had a lot of dogs to work with. So my time with this particular dog was limited. But I did spend, you know, up to an hour, maybe even more, each time that I worked with Petunia. And I did that eight times, you know, twice a day uh, for, the, for the four days. And uh, we made a great deal of progress. And so we're going to look at at that right now and and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the process and then you can watch the vi the videos that that are on there and you can see so in in the post after i i talk about not not doing these things uh without a professional i go into the video sequences and i have seven videos and i don't think there you know there's only one that was a minute long um but in in video one it's uh, we talk about the resource guarding dog and how it has control of the resource and how it feels so confident and and it will stand its ground. The first video is uh, is Petunia sitting over it. Now, the videos that I didn't put in there because, like I said, I put in several hours here and I only had a couple of minutes to to put video up and, and tell a little story. So. 
the videos that I had when I first started working with her did not fit in here. And since we're going to be talking about doing this for yourself, if you're a trainer or even an owner, you know, a lot of the mistakes that people make with a possessive or a, a resource guarding dog is they, they try to take it. They, they try to get it away from the dog or they get afraid and, and walk away from the dog. So the dog keeps it. And the way that they try to take it is sometimes perceived as uh, combative and whether it's uh, a shovel or a broom and they just corner the dog and uh, poke at them and try and get the the resource either way you don't really win if you got it and you get out of the kennel of the run and and you and you leave you did not win you left the dog in that state of mind and so the next time you come back guess what's going to happen dog's going to be faster stronger more precise they're, they're really gonna oh that you got that last time okay hmm. but you had this opening over here so you know what and that opening was created when i lunged at you so why would i bark at you anymore i think i'm just gonna lunge at you straight out of the gate and it only gets worse from there so you gotta understand energy energy is first as caesar says energy first dog psychology second then dog training because if you don't understand the energy, which is really emotion times intent that equals the energy, and so if the intention is to keep this thing, and the dog hasn't really had any exercise because it's been uh, here for like three years, it gets some exercise, but it's really not close to the exercise a pet dog should receive. It's got nothing else to do but this one thing. It's my crossword puzzle, right? It's my solitaire. When you get here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drain all my energy this way. So you got to be careful not to leave the dog in the same state of mind or a worse state of mind after you retrieve the resource, whatever. The, the dog must not see what you're doing as combat, uh, combative uh, because it, it'll ruin the relationship. Trust will not be built. So the first video that, that I took but wasn't able to put in, into the sequence here um, I wanted the rescue to understand not to put themselves in danger. And so I used one of those uh, little hammocks or those little place boards uh, uh, that, that, that trainers use for the training. Trainers use for training. Uh, and kennels use them uh, as, a, as a little place to lay on. And so I turned it over and, and so it protected my legs if, if the dog was going to, to lunge. And it's really an opportunity to see how committed the dog is. Um, I don't want the, the rescue to think that they could just go and do that. I don't want anybody to think they can do it the way um, I do it. So be safe. And uh, when the dog lunges after whatever you have in front of you, I think the biggest mistake I saw on, on uh, the dog whisper is when Caesar would use the tennis racket and people misinterpreted the use of that tennis racket. And I would, I would go over to clients and I would see students even uh, using the tennis racket to put out there for the dog to bite on. And then they would pull back. And you got to understand that when you, something's in the dog's mouth and you're pulling on it, now you're playing tug of war at this point. And if they're in a threat, their, their perception, their threat perception is uh, high, now it's a battle. Of course, they've got the tennis racket or whatever you, you put in there, the broom or the, the uh, 
shovel, whatever it is you put in there, they're attacking that and you're teaching them to, that, to keep doing that. And so the next time somebody comes in with a tool to protect themselves, the dog bypasses that and, and gets at them, right? And so you don't uh, play tug of war. When I put that place board in front of me and the dog would lunge, all I did was not stand there, right? If it tried to go around the place board, I just turned around with it and kept the place board in front of my body. It grabbed the legs of the place board. I, I basically let go of that side. You know, there was no energy from me for it to pull. And fortunately, th this uh, particular place board is one that you put together. So the leg came out. And then, uh, you know, I stand there and wait for the dog to calm down. This was the very early stages of my interaction with the dog. So it was coming off of that resource like a lion or a, a wolf coming off a carcass. But that's really on the primal side, you know. This is a domesticated dog. And it's coming off of a, a rawhide like it's a fucking deer carcass and hasn't eaten in, in 10 days. That's so unrealistic. The threat is not real. So I had to stand there and prove myself that, uh, you know, you, you, you're not going to make me go away. And there was no, nothing punitive in anything that I did. I did not push the dog with the, the, uh, place board. I didn't hit the dog with a place board. All I did in the very first day was to make sure that it, if it came around the place board, I needed to know basically if it was going to climb my leg or if it was just going to go after my feet. And if you get a climber, man, then in the first day, I thought she was going to parkour right off of that, uh, place board and up to my face. But, uh, the longer I stood there, the more she believed that, uh, I wasn't going anywhere. So once I removed the place board, and uh, I had the clipboard, didn't need the clipboard, didn't even uh, just sit, in, it's in my hand. You'll see that in the first clip. That's where we come in. And you'll see her hovering. Uh, she's got, the, she's got the, the, the rawhide in her mouth. That's the carcass in her mouth. And she's telling me, Arr. let's see if we can, let's see. That other barking is dogs in the facility, but listen to this. You hear that growl? She's she's growling and she has to take a breath. She's got that thing in her mouth. She does not want to move, and and you better not move either. You better not move. She is standing still. You better stand still, right? And so in that first clip, she had to believe I wasn't going anywhere. And then we get to the second clip. Let me back up first of all. That the, all the dogs barking in a facility. When you, I like to do it in a facility, but I like to do it in my own facility where I know all the dogs and they'll listen to me when they're barking. And uh, here I am in in a, a rescue uh, facility. And every time I, I get anywhere near uh, being able to communicate with Petunia, a dog would start barking or slam into the the wall of their run and start the whole thing over. And you better have some patience when you're doing this because anything, anything can start it all over again. When you're standing there and, and you're, you're being as still as she is and the blood in your foot isn't flowing and you need to move your ankle a little bit and you just move it just the tiniest, uh, just a, a, a hair, a hair, the dog start, arr, starts all over again. 
right? And so she's not moving. She's not worried about the blood flow in her, her paws. So you can't either. You cannot think about that. There were times when I have to be bent over to get closer, and you lose the blood in your in your legs too. And if you're not careful, and and a dog uh, explodes onto you, uh, and you got no blood in your in your legs, it, you, it's dangerous. You got to be very careful. So I'm well aware of everything that's in the environment. If I lose the blood in my legs, and 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 I think that this might uh, be a point where they're going to explode at me. I know where I can grab and pull myself up. I know what I can grab that's in the run to uh, block. I, I, I'm well aware of everything that's at my disposal. What's in this environment that can help me? What's in this environment that's going to get in my way? I'm paying attention to everything. So that first video, that was, that was it was a good hour, right? But it's only like 30 seconds in the video. The second video, when she realizes I'm not going anywhere, now it's fallen out of her mouth. And if you watch, when it when it gets out of her mouth, when she spits it out of her mouth, uh, it zooms in so you can see her. But if you watch, when she drops it out of her mouth, you see my feet move like towards her an inch or two. She provided space, right? She had it in her mouth, and now she may be hovering over it one inch over it, but it's no longer in her mouth. That is considered space. If I don't take that space at that moment, she's going to start doubting my my commitment to, to wanting that resource. And it's very important that you do not lose commitment. You need to know exactly what you're doing. You're planning it. Look, an artist uh, sees the art before, during, and after the process of of it becoming art. And so you need to know every single thing that you can't have any doubt in your mind. You got to be thinking exactly what you want. You can't, you can't get distracted. This is very important. And so that's a very critical clip that most people just see the growling and the snarling and, and everything. And they, oh, wow. And they see the end result. But if you look at that and compare it to the first video, first clip where she had it in her mouth and she just dropped it out of her mouth. She was not even an inch over it. You'll see my feet in the right corner move about an inch. You got to take that space. You got to every single time. So let's go to the next clip. Now in the next clip, the next video, you'll see that the rawhide is in between my feet. Now there's opportunities in, in these kinds of uh, conversations with dogs or in between species uh, over food just opportunities like when a bunch of uh, hyenas are tearing apart uh, an animal and and somebody just barely has any uh, a hold on the animal and the others rip it and now the the uh, hyena suddenly has a whole hind quarter in its mouth and it runs away it's an opportunity so there there was multiple times where she exploded on to me but during that explosion she hits the the rawhide and it flies to a certain part of the the area this particular time it flew right in between my my feet it's phenomenal luck the other times that it happened it flew off in the corner and so she was like uh, between me and it and and wanted to come at me and you must understand when you're whittling this down and i hope this is really making sense to people because it is uh, layering shading peeling onion however you want to look at it it's shaping uh, something to where you have a, a the 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 end result is you being in control and on top 
and uh, when it, when she explodes and and she's in between it and and the uh, rawhide and me, and she'll come at me. I already know her commitment in this one. In many of my videos that I show students during their course, uh, they'll see the same thing. No leash. I have no leash, and you know nothing there, uh, but the dog and myself. And it's because I understand how committed they are and what their true intention is. And in, in most cases like this, it's just they want you to go away. I, I want this. I, I want to finish this. It's mine. Go away. And so it's more threatening than it is. But they do use their mouth. And if you run, if you kick, if you jump, then they're going to hold on to you. They're going to see that you're moving. And they're going to want you to move faster. But when you don't move... And they strike at your their your feet or your your uh, leg, and you don't move. Well, shit! I just gave my best shot there, and he didn't go anywhere. And that's what happens in these things: is they give you a good shot, and you don't move, and then they start doubting themselves. Their will starts to to wane or to weaken. And then it's just, in this case, I am now over the the rawhide. But I'm not growling, you know, I'm not chasing her off. This is not a life-threatening situation like hyenas and even wild dogs. They got to eat their the food super fast before a bigger predator comes and takes it away. This is not a life-threatening situation. It's a fucking rawhide. You know, there was really only one carcass in there one time, and it was a mouse. But who wants that? Nobody wants that. The dog didn't even want to eat it. It's just she killed it, and it's it's hers now. And she had nothing else to do but uh, wait until my next little walk or in the next food. It, it's horrible living in, in uh, shelters and, and uh, sometimes even uh, kennels that they're being trained in. It's not necessarily uh, comfortable on the mind to be uh, trapped, so to speak, isolated. But it's necessary in order to rehabilitate. I'm not going to go into a heroin den and say, I understand that you want to get off heroin. So this is what we're going to do. Talk to him for a couple of hours and say, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back tomorrow. We're going to pick up where we left off. No. When I leave, there, there's somebody over there uh, heating up a spoon. Their mouth is watering at that point. You can't compete with that. you got to get them out of that environment. you got to take them somewhere and start over and then introduce them back into the environment. But it's hard when you when the dogs are living in a shelter or or a rescue that's doing their best to find a home for the dog and don't have the experience to change the behavior. So the dog just ends up becoming worse. And when I say worse, they just get better at that bad thing that they're doing, right? Practice becomes permanent. How we practice determines how we perform. And it doesn't matter if it's a good thing or a bad thing, we get better at it. But if your only practice comes during the performance to, in, to change things, it's not going to go well. It's just not going to go well. So you got to practice it all the time. And in, in this case, in the negative, they're practicing it all the time. They got nothing else to do. So I have to stand there now in, in this third uh, video clip. I have to stand there as long as she stood over it too. And every time she gives me an inch, I have to take that inch. She looks away. I take that space from her face looking at me to her face looking to the side is a good six inches from where her nose was. I have to take that six inches, right? Now, uh, there are times where where time is, is short and 
we're human. We got things to do. So I may have to cut uh, a, an exercise. I call them behavior expectation drills, BEDs, behavior expectation drills. And I may have to cut it short. My goal is to always end as close to the way I want things to begin. And then when I come back, I'm hoping at that point they, and they do, they retain this latent learning, you know, they pick up where we leave off. And if you look at that in, in the average home, uh, I know I'm going off topic, but I'm on the fucking topic. So people don't tell me I'm going off my topic. It's the same fucking topic. Everything is exactly the same. It's just completely different. All right. And so when you have two dogs in a home fighting and everybody gets scared and they break them up and they put them in the other rooms, well, that's just like your fucking DVR. I mean, you got to take a piss and you push pause. When you come back, you push play, it picks up right where you left off. Right where you left off. It doesn't. The movie's not over, is it? What happened? I, did I miss something? No, it picks up right where you left off. And so over time, when these two dogs are fighting again and again and again, they get separated. The next time they see each other, they don't, they don't think anything else but boom, we got to get right into the fight because that's what it's going to end up anyway. So let's just get to it right now. Let's get to the fight now. Instead of all the tense energy, there's, oh, when are they going to fight? I wonder if they're going to fight. I hope they get along. I'd like it to get along. What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. <sighs> no, they get quicker and quicker and quicker. They only want to get better at whatever they do. And that's the goal in life anyway for everyone is to cut the fat off of things and get there quicker, right? So that's what the dogs do. They don't have the ability to think. So all they know is this happened, this happened, and this happened. Mm, let's remove this one and make it faster. And they get better at it. So again, I like to end things as close to the way I want them to begin. So each time I ended this, even if it had to end early and I had to bend down and, and hover over the, the rawhide and, and then put it in my hand because time said I've got other dogs and uh uh, rescue people that need my attention in other places. So and it could be tense at that point, but no matter what, no matter what, however I ended it, I've got to polish it off. I got to drain off those leftovers and I take them for a walk. This increases and strengthens the bond. It shows that I don't have the intention of harming you and we're just going to drain all that off. And dogs live in the moment. And so if I take the dog out of there, and this dog, and like most, as soon as you get the resource or it's not in their sight anymore, they go back to the type of dog they are. And she's the sweetest cookie in the jar. So once I get, it, get the rawhide and I put the leash on her, we go for a walk. She doesn't even know she was doing that. But I don't want to leave her in that state of mind. I don't want to get the rawhide and shut the gate real fast. Because now she's, well, what just happened? I leave her in that state of mind and it's just going to escalate. So you got to drain it off. You got to drain it off. It's a big mistake that people make is they don't exercise the dog enough after whatever their challenge is. Even if it's teaching the dog to sit and stay, you got to drain that energy off. And my point here is that no matter what exercise you do, even if it's uh, an agility course and you're teaching how to do the, the ladder, after you're done, take the dog for a walk. Drain off that, even if it was a positive thing. Positive mental stress is still stress. Drain it off. And so every time, every single time, I took her for a walk, and it was snowing, so we got to jump around in the snow. We bonded, brought her back into the room so she didn't have the association with me coming into that room and having this uh, contest over a rawhide every single time, no matter what. So then the next clip is, you know, somebody also sent me a 
thing saying, oh, it's so fast, so amazing. But if you look at it, I'm wearing different clothes in almost every one of these clips. I mean, this is a four-day period, eight times, two times a day I work with this dog. And so here's one of those times that I was talking about after you get the rawhide and I put the leash on, I want to take her for a walk. But once she starts to really calm down, I still, like I said, want to end things the way I want them to begin. So teaching the dog how to take a resource from you or accept a resource from you as a gift, as a gift, not not as something that they have to take. It's something that you provide for them. And so she's, if you watch this, she's still in the mindset of, oh, I want that. So she reaches for it and she reaches for it kind of uh, rude, but not aggressively and, and not just not aggressively. So learning that it's mine. You can see in there that she tries not to make eye contact with me and, and I need that eye contact, you know, and there's no communication without the eye contact. But under that, that category of communication, it breaks up into two forms. Eye contact either becomes an invitation or a confrontation, right? So if you're looking at your dog and you're staring at them, they, it's your own dog, they think you want them to jump on, their lap, on your lap. Well, no, I just was looking at how cute you were. They didn't know that. You look at a dog who's nervous, tense, they think, oh, what are you looking at me for? Think about that in, in a bar. Some, some guy staring at another guy, what, what, what? Some guy staring at, at your girl, what, what? Sometimes it's, they're staring at you and you go, hey, what? Hey, would you like a drink? Invitation or confrontation, but it's all under communication. When Caesar says no touch, no talk, no eye contact, it's because these people are coming in first. And they need, they need the dog, he needs the dog to understand who the people are and the energy, the energy that these people represent. And so just ignore, you want to ignore the dog. That's what the no eye contact is when you first meet them. You don't want to give away, you don't want to play poker with your cards turned towards your opponents. So it's very important that when you do make eye contact, you know what you're going to say, you know, what you, what you want the dog to understand. And so in this clip, I'm teaching the dog, no, you don't get to take it from me. I want to, yeah, I want to give it to you. And as soon as you relax and, and calm down, you can have it. You can have everything I have. What, what's mine is yours, but it has to be in that order, okay? It is mine, and you can have it when it's time. It's not Hitler, it's mine, not yours. And in this clip, you know, I, uh, there's the other dog uh, is starting to get ants in its pants and, and bark more. And uh, so I tell it, I, I tell her it's enough and you can hear my energy. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. Nothing. Hey, that's enough. And in that moment, when I talk to the other dog, this dog steps back an inch and a half with her back, with her hindquarters, not her front legs, just her back legs. Uh, she was seated and she moved back a little bit. That's another form of respect. Okay. Okay. You can have it. It's not, it's not mine. If you watch it, it's not even 15 seconds long. She tries to get it. She tries again to get it. She doesn't know what to do. And so she says, okay, it's yours. She backs up like an inch, two inches. High level of respect at that moment. She flicks her tongue out to me, telling me that she's not a threat. And then I take her for a walk. Always end the way you want to begin, okay? It's that pause button. When I push pause, I don't want the movie to be over when I come back. So that's the shaping, okay? It's the shaping. This is how we're going to start the next time. And so the next video is me taking her for the walk. And it's just what I was describing. And you'll see me walking out. And before we go to the door, there's still behavior expectation drills happening. How we get out of the, the run. 
how we walk, how we, how we behave at the door, how we behave when we go through the door, all right? Behavior expectation drills. But before we go out in this particular clip, that happened to be a pretty intense uh, encounter, and, and it ended really, really well, as you saw. And so I'm really going to polish this off. I'm going to remove all negative energy. That's not affection that I'm giving there. You're not seeing me go, good girl. Oh, what a sweet little girl. You're watching me massage out the tension. You're watching me rake off the any negative ideas that she might have, and then she wiggles that shit off. Whatever, whatever I didn't get, she wiggles that shit off. And then you watch me walk out the door. And when I go out the door with her, we're going to go on a little walk. And like I said, it was snowing each and every time. We had a wonderful time out in the snow. And then we walk back in. How do we behave when we walk? How do we behave when we walk back through the door? How do we walk? How do we behave as we walk by the other dogs? How do we behave when we go into the kennel run? How do we behave when we take the leash off? How do we behave when the, when the kennel door is shut? Increments, people. Uh, uh, you know, you got to shape this stuff. You can't just do one and done. All right. Uh, the next clip is uh, another encounter, uh, one of the best best one, right? It happens so much faster. Each time, you know, like I said, it was about an hour each time, but towards the end, it was quicker and quicker and quicker. Uh, we gave her the bone, you know, we'd leave the bone in there, or the rawhide, let her get knee-deep into that thing, get it nice and soft on the edges, you know. This is mine. And the second you go to open that kennel run, she was already, in the beginning, coming off of that carcass at you, right? But towards the end, she was already, like, uh, spitting it out. I don't know. Here he comes. I, you know, grumble, grumble. It's his. Uh, what am I going to do? I only got eight feet by eight feet. Where should I go? And uh, it happened super fly fast. This particular time happened in no time at all. And if you watch, I'm sitting there handing it to her, dropping it in front of her, where if it was anywhere near her, I couldn't touch her before. No one could touch her before. Here it is underneath her, putting it in her face, touching her, rubbing her at the same time, and giving her little pats on the head. She's standing over it, giving her every opportunity. And she's like, nope, that's yours. That is yours. And the same thing with the last clip, you know. I, I really want her to have it. And you'll watch these two clips, you know, sometimes when you get, get the dog to a, a place uh, where you feel like things are going great you don't want to mess it up and so people generally try to be ginger with their steps and movements well I need I need the dog to know that no matter what it's still the same it's mine I'm, I'm not just taking the end of this uh, because we didn't fight and call it mine right so I I give her little uh, uh, extra pushes and pulls and I'm I'm being overly, uh, um, not really rude, but I'm pulling on her leash, I'm pulling on the collar, I'm pulling on her ear, I'm doing everything to see if at some point she's going to say, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to bite you, you know, but she didn't, and she says, that's yours, and that's, that is a dog, okay, she was really more of an animal on the primal side of domestication when I first started working with her. But a dog understands energy. And I know dominance is, a, is not necessarily a good word these days, but they understand dominance. And displaying dominance doesn't necessarily make you dominant. And her coming off that carcass, she, she was not a dominant dog. She was just displaying a form of dominance. Playing, excuse me, this little juice has got me having the hiccups. Bluffing, you know, 
maybe he'll go away. Oh, shit, he didn't go anywhere, right? So, and, and in that clip, I write that I did not fix this behavior. I did not. I did not fix it. I, I just merely loosened the jar. Now it needs to be opened again and again and again, right? She's had three years experience, you know, three years of, of practice doing that, and I was there for five days, you know, that, that just in, the, in, in a weight contest, in, in ounces and pounds or milligrams or whatever. Again, I, I don't have all of the right terms, the correct terms. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't outweigh the three years. Five days does not outweigh the three years. However, it had a massive impact on the dog because we took our time. It did not matter to me how much time. And she did not believe I was a threat. And so she started to cooperate. And that's really where the, the human dog or the leader follower thing comes into play. Cooperation. Uh, the leader wants to guide or, or uh, direct and protect the pack. You know, this is where we're going. This is how we're going to do it. Go over here. I'm going to take care of you. You know, that's the leader. And, and the followers cooperate. Shit, that guy knows where food is all the time. How did he know where the water was? Okay. How did he know to, to have me lay down here while well, he goes and takes care of that? Cooperation is critical. And uh, so we started to cooperate. And fortunately, uh, we got it on, on uh, tape. And the stuff that you saw there was really more from the phone. And again, I'm not technically inclined. So the other stuff, the good stuff on the really good camera is probably going to sit there until I can figure out how to use it. And then one day I'll, I'll put something together and, and it'll be really nice and educational and uh, well thought out. And, and it'll be available for us. But for now, right there, that's a little bit of uh, resource guarding with this dog every dog is different don't forget every dog is different every dog has a different form of practice every dog sees something uh of higher or lower value uh, so you can't just have one way of being you've got to understand it all especially if you're going to work with dogs but if it's your dog and you work with somebody who understands it they can give you the template for that dog and like i said with uh petunia i only needed her to lunge at me a couple of times to find out what she was really talking about and all she really wanted was me to go away so she could have this thing and uh nobody got hurt and it was all peaches and cream uh, lots of uh, information passed for the rescue um, everybody got to watch that and, and learn from that and uh, i enjoyed it i've been a while since i got to work with a dog like that and um I, I really enjoyed it. And so that dog, Petunia, um, in the post and up until I, I always call it the dog because at that point I don't wanna I don't wanna distract anybody with the name. But right now the name, Petunia, she is up for adoption and if you are willing to understand that the possibility of her um going back to guarding something that she perceives as high value, uh and you can learn to manage certain aspects of her life she will be an amazing dog. And if we can manage those aspects to the point where she never feels she needs to guard another thing in her life, 
she is the perfect dog. I mean, the sweetest pie on the shelf. And perfect size, too, you know. So if if you're interested in her or any of the other dogs that they have, uh, it's foreverrescue.com. I'm sorry, foreverhome.com. And you can go on their Facebook as well and their Instagram, and you can find out all the dogs and cats, by the way, that they have available. And I look forward to working with them again. I believe I'm going out there in July. And... Um, we'll continue to educate everybody as best we can. I just want everybody to truly understand these things on Facebook and Instagram that everybody's putting out. You can only do a small portion uh, and put it out there. You must understand how much more goes into it. And anybody who says different, they're just selling you, you know, a bridge, you know. Do not think that things can be fixed that fast. They need to be uh, changed. You know, dogs can only do what we've allowed them to do, okay? They live in the moment. They can't think about more than one thing. They don't even think. They just react, okay? So if, if they're practicing something you don't like, give them something else to practice, right? We can't bitch and moan about what they're doing if we're not involving ourselves with our dogs and showing them how to behave. This is the rules, boundaries, limitations in life that they need, the part of them that's the most important is the dog aspect, okay? That's the, if you if you want to call it the military side. They need, they crave, uh, they thrive when giving instruction, when given instructions, guidance, and, and holding them accountable to whatever rules that you set up. And when you set up rules that are too flexible, um, inconsistency, is the worst thing you could do to a dog, be inconsistent, because it's confusing, and that's that's horrible way to live. So please, do your best to be consistent. If you don't know what to do, hire somebody that does, okay? Just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean there isn't something you can do. And if you take that time, you understand it's your responsibility. You took on the dog. You have the dog. You're responsible for that dog's life. You're responsible for anybody who comes around that dog and their life. Even if you let go of the leash and they run out in the street and get hit by a car and that car hits somebody on the sidewalk, that's your responsibility. And I know that's on the negative side, but we are talking about problems here. So if I turn the volume up a little bit for you to understand that you got some shit to do, that's important. So if you don't know what to do, reach out to somebody who does and learn. If when you're learning from somebody, you're not getting what you think you need, or the second you don't feel it's right, get somebody else. It's still your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. Hey, my dentist thinks that I should just remove my teeth. Uh, There's nothing wrong with them, he said, but I should remove them. Well, if you remove them, then that's your fault. I know it's a ridiculous uh, example, but you go and you get another dentist. Well, I paid all all my money to that dentist. Well, (laughs) so? You still need to do something with your teeth. You don't need to remove them all, but you do need to do something about it. And in this case, there are so many videos, so many books, so many trainers out there that you can find something that benefits you. No excuses. No excuses. Learn, practice, master, begin again. All right? I want you all to have a great day afternoon, evening, life. Just enjoy your dogs. Take them for a walk, please. Get them out there. 
And I'm not talking about taking them out to take a piss or shit. I'm talking about getting them out there and draining off some energy. If all you're doing is throwing the ball for the dog, that's just overexciting them. You may burn out all their energy and they get exhausted and they go right to sleep. (laughs) But they're going to wake up with that same excited state of mind. Pause, play. Does that make sense to you when you push pause that when you push play, it picks up where it left off? So if you burn your dog's energy and you exhaust them and they go to sleep with an excited state of mind, they're going to wake up with that excited state of mind. We want to drain their energy. We want to maintain a, a balance in their energy so that then everything goes smoothly in your life with your dog. Again, enjoy your dog. Enjoy your life. Get them out there and walk them, okay? Have a great night, day, morning, wherever you are in the world. Take care.